0: I shared how I gave something up, and many of you have done that, but many of us have also uh, taken something up. Uh, Many of you downloaded the YouVersion Bible app. I I helped a few of you with that, too. There's many of us on there now. Some of you have taken paper plans to go through the reading. I've been on the phone with a few people, too, uh, who are, are eager to do this, and so we started on Ash Wednesday, and uh, many of you uh, started that day, or some of you even, I heard a few Keener started uh, days before that, and you found that there's even this this kind of play button, and you can, you can hear, uh, depending on the translation, an audio version, and so someone else can actually read for you, and you can listen. Uh, some of you ha- have started uh, that next Sunday or last Sunday. Uh, some of you can start even today, and so it's not too late to start. But one of my favorite parts about it is that on those of us that started on that first day to start this season of Lent, on Fridays and on Saturdays, we're reading from the Gospel of Mark. And so what we've been doing is we've been reading that on Friday and Saturday, and then Sunday, there's not a reading because we're coming in to read together, but we're reflecting on what we have just read on either Friday and or Saturday. And so even if you're hearing this for the first time, that's okay because we're gonna read um, this, this particular passage, and so you can hear it many for the first time. Uh, but even more of you can can hear it again, and so we're we're praying that God's opening up our ears to, to hear this as we reflect on the word of God. So we're in chapter five of Mark, and we're gonna start in verse 21. Jesus got into the boat again, and he went back to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him. And all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped. She could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what happened to her, came and fell on her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. Some translations say she told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, Your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard. He overheard them and said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd. And wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. And he took The girl's father and mother and the three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha, kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. Father, we thank you for the reading that we've been going through, and, and to, to hear this gospel account, we've already heard of the wonderful things you've done, and from teaching to, to miracles and, and healing, and we're realizing that you have authority over sickness, you have authority over diseases of all kinds, you have authority over the Sabbath, even spirits listen to you. Father, we're seeing here you even have authority over death. We're believing you are the author of life. And so as we're opening up to to hear your word and and hear what it is you have for, for us today, we've already recognized your presence is here and we're asking for you to illuminate this to us, for you to help us to understand. May your Holy Spirit guide us in this. may we believe in faith what it is uh, you want us to do in action. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So the context of this passage, chapter 5, those of us that were reading it just on Friday would see that there was actually a a pretty incredible scene that happened just before that and uh, as I was reflecting earlier this week, I I wasn't sure where I was going to land and, and Quite often, I'll talk to Blair on a, on a Monday, sometimes earlier than that, and, and sometimes as late as a Tuesday to say, I think we're going this way. And as I was looking, the easiest way that I could describe to you why I felt like this was the passage is that it was the one I feared the, the most. <laughs> It was the one that I thought I don't I don't want to teach that one. Okay, I guess that's the one we're going with, and so it's a little bit of a different day. Uh, but just sometimes I like to know the backstory and why did they choose this over that. And so just so you can have some insight. Uh, I wanted to lean into the one that I was a little bit apprehensive of. And so uh, today, you've already heard, it's a Connect lunch rate. Right afterward. We're having soup and chili and things like that. Um, and there are buns, rolls, things like that. But what you've already heard is that there's a sandwich. And so we're going to kind of chew on a sandwich here that Mark has for us. Uh, Mark, in, in a few different spots throughout his gospel, maybe you, you notice this, is that sometimes there's either a teaching... And then even last week, uh, where Jesus, he was sharing the parable of the sower before he explained it. And then there was this middle section that was almost like the key to understanding the whole thing. And then what happened next was his disciples and a few others wanted to hear, uh, what does this actually mean? And then he went through the explanation. So some could call that a Mark sandwich. Well, this right here, there's this guy who uh, he's, he's, he's fearing for his, his daughter's life. And he's coming as he sees Jesus. Jesus is back where... He's healed many people before, and he's taught wonderful things. Well, he doesn't have anything else to, to do but to fall at the feet of Jesus and just pray, if, if you come and lay your hands on my daughter, she will be well. And so what happens is Jesus goes along uh, with him, as, as most of the crowd does, but then all of a sudden, there's this other character, and right in the middle, kind of sandwiched in, is this woman who has been suffering, and we're already seeing these parallels. How many years has she been suffering? Twelve years. And then later, when you get back to uh, Jairus and, and his daughter, and really that whole family and that community, as they're, they're mourning the loss of this daughter, you realize that she's 12 years old. Interesting how that's included. Well, what does it even mean Jesus got into the boat and went back to the other side? Well, even last week when we were looking at different uh, parables and understanding the first one would help us understand the rest, uh, what we skipped over, but what we read is that Jesus, he had calmed this storm. He was going from one side of the sea to the other. And it was incredible when some think that uh, what was happening there with, with nature also kind of connected with the opposition that he would find spiritually as, as he got to this area where there's this man who he's demon-possessed and, and he's kind of shunned, and that's a whole story for another day. Uh, but, but Jesus, after he had uh, freed this man, um, somehow he's all of a sudden fully clothed. We're not sure where the clothes came from, but, but here he is. He's, he's fully clothed. He wants to go with Jesus... But Jesus says, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. And so the man, he started off visiting the 10 towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. And and Jesus felt it was time to go back to the other side of the lake again. And so that's where we pick things up. And so the large crowd that's around there If you read chapter 6 this last week, uh, you might notice there's a couple things that happened uh, uh, in the story about Jesus feeding the 5,000. Jesus, he he saw this huge crowd and he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And I love at the very end of the chapter, the end of our reading just yesterday, it says that after he crossed the lake uh, and they landed there, It's saying that wherever he went in villages, cities, or the countryside, they brought the sick out from the marketplaces. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were healed. Perhaps this story spread quickly. This woman who thought to herself, if I can just reach out, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. I don't want to inconvenience the teacher. He's busy. But if I only just touch him, and so this story must have got out. We don't know a lot about Jairus, but we've we've noticed that. For some reason, for Mark and and for other writers too, um, they're selective about the names they include. Uh, Sometimes there's only little detail. You don't know the the name uh, of the woman, but you know the name of this local synagogue leader, perhaps because of those who lived in that area. And and what this means is he was the leader. He wouldn't have been a rabbi, but he would have been responsible for the worship and everything that went on in in that synagogue. Sometimes there were a few of them, but in this case, it might just be him he would have been responsible for getting speakers and, and things like that, and he would have been highly respected. We're not sure if he's a Pharisee or not, but either way, even if there was kind of tension uh, between um, people that, that he respected and respected him and, and along with Jesus, he, he wasn't worried about that in this case. His daughter was more important than anything that could get behind uh, views and opinions. And so when he saw Jesus, I think it's important that he got to see Jesus. What did he do? He fell at his feet. I put a little heart in the margin of my Bible here because he's saying, please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Other writers that include parts of this story, in one, she had already died, but he's believing in faith that that if Jesus comes, he can raise her back to life. Regardless, here he is saying, heal her so she can live. He's believing that she, she at least will die. One of my favorite lines in, in this thing right before um, the, the midpoint of the sandwich is this phrase, Jesus went with him. Jesus went with him in probably the hardest moments of his life. And we've talked a lot here about discipleship and what it means to follow Jesus. And it means following after Jesus. Often we almost picture it like single file. Like Jesus is going first and we're right behind and there's a long uh, line of us. But in this picture, Jesus actually beside him. Not in front of him, not behind, but beside him. Jesus went with him. I think it's important for us to think about that. If if we've had this tension of, John, you've been talking about following Jesus, but I just need to know that he's with me. And here, Jairus gets to experience Jesus going with him. But all of a sudden, this woman who had been suffering for 12 years, it says that she had suffered a great deal from many doctors. She had spent everything she had. Some would say that... Uh, Although she was bleeding, she was also bled dry financially. Others would say that she was suffering from her disease, but also from the cures. Often people at this time, uh, they didn't have medicine exactly like today. Uh, There were definitely placebos, and and they do work, right, sometimes. Um, But more than that, there was a lot of superstition. And so we're not sure exactly if, if she thought, if, if I can just touch this, this great teacher who's healed people, if I just do that, is it a superstitious thought? I, I don't think that matters so much, but she would have tried things. She would have tried everything to be able to be well, but instead of getting even marginally better, she had gotten worse. So the physicians weren't much help to her, but she's finding out that she's about to encounter the great physician, So Jairus, he saw Jesus. Well, this woman, she had heard about Jesus. And so the word has spread, and so she shows up. And remember what she was thinking to herself. And so as she reaches out in this crowd that's pressing around Jesus, she does. She she gets to touch his robe, and immediately, immediately, the bleeding stopped. And she could feel it in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Maybe you have something in your life, even a small thing, Uh, maybe it's a habit, Uh, maybe it's uh, the, the crack of a can of your favorite drink, and when you're craving it, the moment that you crack that and hear the sound, you're like, I already feel better. And then before that first sip, you're just anticipating, right? For me, when I need a coffee, it's too late. But maybe you've noticed that when you walk into a cafe and you can smell that aroma, if that's what you're into, then you're like, I already feel better, I'm, I'm awake now. Uh, for me, it's when I start the, the ritual, the routine of getting everything ready, when I weigh the beans, I'm already smelling these whole beans. Uh, just when the bag opens, actually, I can smell it. But then when I, yeah, amen. And then when I, I put it in the grinder and I start to grind, the moment that that begins and I do it by hand, I already feel like the caffeine has hit me, but I know scientifically that it takes at least 40 minutes for it to hit my bloodstream. doesn't matter. The moment that I even begin the process, I feel like it's already working, but here, that's not what's going on. It's not just psychological. She immediately was healed. She didn't have to wait 40 minutes. She didn't have to wait another 12 years. She immediately was healed of this terrible condition. And this is maybe a conversation uh, for those with PhDs, but verse 30 begins with, Jesus realized. Jesus realized, and at once he realized that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? Now, think about it. Have you been in line recently for anything, or or have you been in a crowd? Do you remember crowds? Crowds? This is sort of one. Um, you're waiting in line, and, and, and I mean, you're trying not to bump into people, but naturally people bump into you. When the disciples kind of look, and, and, and they're kind of laughing, they're, they're sort of scoffing at him, saying, look at this crowd pressing around you. How could you ask who touched me? Uh, some think that the, the word for crowd pressing around, like that, that kind of concept, was almost like a deadlock. So imagine like Rush Hour... Uh, traffic gridlock um, imagine when there, there's there's nowhere to really go somehow this woman was able to 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 weave in and, and touch his robe but but how would he have noticed that we 're going to see that it's because of faith. He kept on looking around to see who had done it. Maybe he knew, but either way he's he's kind of scanning the crowd to see what she 's going to do, and then the frightened woman trembling at the Realization of what had happened to her, she came, fell on her knees in front of him, and told him what she had done. And so, Jairus, he falls on on his knees for one reason, and this woman falls after she's already healed, but she falls and he, she tells him what she had done. She tells him the whole truth. So maybe she's saying, "Well, I I just thought, you know, I, I'd been suffering and and I'd heard about you, and so if I had, if I just if I just touch you, I didn't want to bother you. I'm sorry to stop you. I know you're, you're very busy, but if I could just touch your robe, I'd be healed. And I, I felt it immediately, and, and Jesus is pointing this out. Think of it this way. We're, we're trying to interpret what we're reading. Well, in this moment, Jesus is interpreting her experience. Jesus tells her, just to make sure that it, it has nothing to do with superstition or, or some other physician, but he says to her daughter... We don't know her age, but he says to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. It's already happened, but now he's declaring this happened. It's actually because of your faith. So imagine Jesus is is talking to her. She's on her knees, and Jesus is, is paying attention, and then speaking to her at that same moment, The sandwich continues, and and over here, Jairus is just waiting, and he's like, Jesus, could we pick this up? But at that moment, messengers arrive from the home of Jairus. They told him, your daughter's dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. And Jesus, he overheard this. So he's over here, finishing up, encouraging this woman in her faith, and over here, Jairus is getting the worst news he's ever heard. He was expecting it, but he thought that maybe Jesus could get there before this would happen. And if you think of this, verse 36 says, but Jesus overheard, there's an asterisk in my Bible, and at the bottom it says, or ignored. Overheard could mean a few things in in our day and age. It could mean you heard something that someone else was saying that wasn't meant for you. It could also mean, in, in this case, or ignored, that he's actually hearing something that either isn't true or he wants to discount the truth of. And so Jesus, he's he's ignoring what's being said over here. And then he says to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. The beautiful thing about this is that the woman was actually the illustration of the point. You know what she just did? She did this out of faith. She's been suffering the entire age of your daughter. And now in faith, she's healed. She's, she's gonna go here in, in peace. She's a changed person. She can feel it immediately. What she did, could you do that? Could you hold on to that for a moment? Let's keep walking. And so Jesus, he stops the crowd. The ones that were pressing all around him, he stopped them. He wouldn't let them go on except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Why that's mentioned is probably because, as Mark was giving this account, it's highlighting to those who would have first listened to this, that James, he was just martyred for his faith. Maybe pointing out that, yeah, he's not with us anymore, but because he upheld the faith. And so that's a a point that perhaps Mark is making for us. And when they came to the home of this synagogue leader, Jairus, right? Right? Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing, so there had been enough time in, in this day and age, in this culture, they would hire people for the, even for the prep of a funeral, they would hire, there'd be someone playing a flute. I don't know if I want that, not that I have any say, but please don't have a flute player at my funeral. <laughs> weeping and wailing is, is a must. Um, I'm gonna put that in. I don't know how much you have to pay for that, but people probably already got their, their paychecks uh, they're, they're, they're weeping. There, there's both the real authentic weeping and wailing for those that would have known this family, would have known the daughter, but then the extras who are there to help and, and when someone else, if you've ever been so tired that you can't cry anymore, someone else is there to kind of cry for you on your behalf and to kind of honor and, and remember this, this loved one. But when Jesus went inside the home and there's people crowded around again, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. And once again, Jesus is interpreting the experience. And so I want you to listen closely. For those of you that you, you have faith in Jesus, you've been following him, you trust not just in his death and his burial, in his, but also in his resurrection, that actually we one day will hear his voice. And even after we've died, we will be raised. Do you believe that today? It's as though for those of us that already trust in Jesus, death is only sleep because he's going to wake us back up. It's a real thing and it's painful, but it's just like we're sleeping. He's redefining it and he's interpreting the experience of this girl and for the family. But the crowd, they're not ready to receive this for obvious reasons and and it says the crowd, they laughed at him, but he made them all leave. He took the girl's father and mother and the three disciples, that was Peter, James, and John, took them into the room where the girl was lying. So he's even deeper into the home now and everyone else, they might still be able to hear them in the outer room and maybe even outdoors, but he's in the room where the girl is lying and and perhaps they've already begun this process. But I love this. Holding her hand, remember Jairus said, if you can just come and and lay your hands on her, she'll be made well, she will live. Well, Jesus, he carefully takes her hand, and then he speaks. We know that even at, at his word, he has the authority to bring dead things back to life. But he Amen. takes the time to take her hand. And he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. We've heard this before, that it's almost... Like a parent or a loved one coming into a child and saying, Honey, it's time to get up. Don't be late for school. And Jesus speaks this. And, and is it at the touch or is it at the voice or is it a combination of both? Either way, when Jesus speaks, what happens? That the little girl who's 12 years old, immediately, not 40 minutes later, not 12 years later, immediately she stood up and walked around. She's not just kind of alive. You know how kids are. She's up. She's ready. I thought about this this week, and I was, I, I think, sharing with, uh, with Blair and Stephen um, of an experience where I was literally asleep, not, not dead. But uh, I've talked about my grandparents a lot. You talk about what you know and, and who you love. Uh, my grandfather, the real John Sherwood, um, he was a voice in my life that when he said something which wasn't often, but when he said it, I was listening. I can remember even as an adult uh, being in the room that they had for me at his home, and he could be on the other side of a closed door, but if he, in the early morning, said my full name, which I will not utter in this time, uh, (laughs) but when he would say my full name, I was already up and pants were on, and I was like, yeah, I'm up, I'm, I'm good to go, I'm not gonna be late, uh, because he had that kind of authority in his voice. I respected him so much that when he even just said my name, I was awake. There's a few people in my life <clears throat> that would be like this, H.C. Wilson, he's someone that if he said my full name, I, I would be up, whatever I did wrong, uh, I'm, I'm, actually, I might be on my knees, I don't, I don't know, but there's, there's a few people that when they speak because you love them and you respect them so dearly. My grandfather, he just had to say my full name and I was at attention. I could have been in a deep sleep, I don't know, but I was up. This is a little bit different, but when Jesus, she says, he says to this girl, little girl, get up immediately. She's perhaps as though, I'm, I'm dressed, I'm ready. We're, like, am I late for school? Like, let's go. And everyone that's around at this moment, they were overwhelmed and totally amazed, as you would be. Um, can we get a refund on uh, the weepers and the wailers, and especially the, the flutists? Can we please get a refund on that? I don't know how that works. Lawyers, can you, can you check into that? And Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. Hard to say how long she was sick and if she had had anything to eat even that week. Maybe it just kept getting worse and Jesus is is nowhere to be found. He's on the other side of the lake and so crowds were waiting and and perhaps the reason the crowds were waiting is they had heard even the times that Jesus said, don't tell anyone. Perhaps they're like, I can't not tell people the great things that Jesus has done. Did, Did you see what he did? Did you hear? Word travels fast. And so they were waiting. And so when he got back to that other side of the lake, the crowd is around. And and they're like, Jairus, go get him. And so he comes. And when he sees Jesus, he doesn't know that it's going to end this way. But he was trusting. He was hoping. He was in faith believing that this was possible. One author says that this whole section should be called faith faith that defies defeat have you been there so we're getting ready for easter and it's all about resurrection it's about life change we're going to we're going to be ready to baptize someone maybe it's you Maybe it's someone you're going to invite in the next few weeks. Maybe it's someone that you're praying about now to invite to Alpha. Whoever it is, uh, I'm going to be ready to go in the tank, and I'm going to have an assistant ready to go in the tank. Whether someone signed up or not, we're going to be ready. But isn't that a symbol of someone who, as Jesus has interpreted, those that are in faith, death is, is just like sleeping. And so, When we're baptized and we go under the water, that's that's our Good Friday. That's being dead and buried with Jesus. But we don't hold someone under there so long that they actually die. We bring them up out of the water, and what does that represent? Resurrection, new life. In that moment, something has already happened in your heart, but you're physically representing that this is... What's, what's true, this is, this is what I believe in faith. I'm, I'm showing people publicly in this moment, but I'm believing that, yeah, I might die. If Jesus doesn't return in my lifetime, then I will die. But to him, I'm believing that it's just like sleep. One day he's gonna call me by my full name, my real name, and I'm gonna wake up. I'm gonna be walking around. I don't wanna be late for school. Could you hold on to that faith? We're believing that today. Father, we thank you so much for your message and how you've embodied forgiveness. We thank you that you've freed us of any debt, but more importantly, perhaps, that you've freed us from death. Even the fear of it at this time. And so we're, we're trusting and we're, in, in faith, holding on that, in the same way that we had an experience here of just reflecting on your word and an encounter that a few people had with you, that at your touch, at your word, at your authoritative word, you, you speak life into things that seem to be dead. And so at this moment, I know you're stirring many of our hearts, and we want to give praise for what you've already done. So at this time, as we get ready to sing, we're going to just continue to to sing about the great things that Jesus, you have done. So we thank you for all this and we commit this to you in Jesus' name.